And Timothy is a young man, and Paul is in house arrest in Rome, we believe. He writes to him this book, and it's divided in six chapters. We use it out at the college. We use it in the Hammond Bible Institute because each chapter majors on a particular responsibility that every pastor and every servant of Christ has as a responsibility. You do too. If you're listening to me tonight and you're a Christian, you have this same responsibility. Apostle Paul wrote to him. He said, look, I'm in jail. I don't know when I'm getting out of jail. But if I tarry long, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And he gave him six major principles. Number one, he said, you're going to need to keep your doctrine clean, pure. Sound is the word that he uses, but sound means hygiene. It comes from the word hygiene. Keep your doctrine clean. Don't get bored with the basics. Stay true to the Bible. Don't get off onto new truth. Occasionally I have people call me and sometimes they're graduates of our college and they want to sit down and explain to me new truth they have found to enlighten us so that we can get the new truth. Listen, uh, I'm just happy with the truth I see and I think we need not to be bored with that, but keep it clean. He said some swerve, someone turns and they go off a, a beaten path. Like Alexandrian Hymenius, he uses examples. Chapter two, he says, make sure that prayer And your walk with God is a priority in your life. Keep your doctrine pure. Make sure prayers are priority. Chapter 3 tells him you need to win and disciple and train others. He gives the qualifications of the pastor and and those who will help their pastors, the deacons and deacons' wives. And he says, but those people are developed when someone wins someone to Christ. Every pastor, every deacon and deacon's wife first needs to be saved. And how do they get saved when someone wins them? They need to be discipled. How do they get discipled? Someone disciples them. And then God puts them into ministry. And he says, you're going to have to learn how to win, disciple people. Timothy, that's your job. And by the way, that's my job. That's your job. Everything I'm talking about, keeping your doctrine sound, if you're a single adult, if you're married, if you're a man or you're a woman, if you're a servant of God, keep your doctrine pure. Make prayer a priority in your life. And win and disciple others. Then chapter 4, he tells him, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. He says, you're going to need to be a good example. Because your sermons whisper, but your life shouts. Your, your life is a lot louder than what you say. And if people don't trust you, they will not trust what you tell them. Chapter 5, he gives them areas of their responsibility in regards to relationships. Relationships and responsibilities. And he talks about older men, older women. He talks about uh, your pastors. He talks about widows, young widows, older widows. He talks about monitoring your relationships continually. Because some men, you can tell real quickly, this guy's bad news. Some girls, you can get with them just for a few moments, and you can say, you know what, I need need to love everybody, but I need to stay away from her. (laughs) I love everybody, but i got to stay away from him. I can't listen to his... His podcast. I can't listen to that, read that blog. It's not going to be healthy to me. Some people you can tell quickly. Other men, they go pretty good for a while. Other ladies go for a while. Then they take, they take exits. And you'll have to learn how to decide. I got to keep walking. Even if I have to walk alone, I'd rather walk right and alone than wrong with other people with me. In chapter 6, he talks specifically about handling finances. And he says, look, you're going to have to, to handle finances, you've got to work diligently. You've got to associate carefully. Who you spend time with will affect your financial philosophies. 
If you keep listening to the philosophies and the podcasts of people who are moderately Christian or not Christian at all, and they have opinions, they will affect you. People at work, you hang around the wrong guy at work, the one that just holds the tiles down and keep him down by the water cooler and complains about how much he gets paid, get away from that clown. Okay, don't, don't stand around with him. If someone's complaining about his wages and doesn't work hard and doesn't go to work on time and thinks that they're just not doing right by him, get away from him. The people who ask doting questions that generate strife rather than satisfaction in a contented spirit. Get around people that are contented. you got someone who complains all the time? Let them sit and complain to themselves. Get away from them. And live a contented spirit. And then the Bible says, give generously. But in the middle of that, of that chapter 6 of financial management, he challenges Timothy. He says, Timothy, he said, godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, if you can be godly and take on godly attributes and be content with such things as you have, you are going to be uh, where it's at. You're going to have a lot better life. He said, some people, they love money. Money is not the issue. All of us think about money every day, and we all need money. We all use money, and money is a wonderful tool. It's a terrible master. It's a wonderful servant. It's not a good leader. You don't make decisions only about, uh, with money in mind. If you only make decisions with money in mind, you won't make all the right decisions. There are sometimes God's going to ask you to do the things that are just, they're, they're inconvenient and they're illogical, but they're right in God's mind. Somebody's going to ask you to give something when you're like, if I give that, I don't know what's going to do. I'm not going to sure what's going to happen. They're not going to be every day like that, but there's going to be things like that. And, and God uses money to direct your life. Sometimes you can't get what you, what you want. You want to go buy a couch, you can't get the couch because you don't have enough money. That's God telling you it's not a good time to buy a couch. You have someone else say, hey, charge it, man. You're going to get a raise. I mean, you're going to, have your, you're going to get a tax refund. Just charge it. Da-da, charge, you know, and, and let's, just, let's just charge this thing. You can pay for it later. And you're going to get yourself in all kinds of mess. Sometimes God doesn't give you money because it's not what you need to do right now. And he uses that. Sometimes God gives you money to do certain things for that reason. But using the principles of of, uh, biblical stewardship and working hard and giving generously, uh, staying out of debt, getting on a budget, living a contented life, learning to save some money, and then be generous in in your living is a biblical process. All through the Bible, every one of those things are true. But he says, the love of money, now it's the root of all evil. With some having coveted, if they want money so bad, they err from the faith. Many people who used to serve God don't serve him today, and it's because they start having a great affection for the almighty dollar. They chase the money. They want it so bad. It takes them out of Sunday night service or Sunday and Wednesday night service. It, it causes them, you say, oh, you know what, I'm, not, I'm going to get married next year, so I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to finish that, all right? You know, I've got to take care of my own house. They love to quote the verse that, you know, if you don't take care of your own house, you're worse than an infidel, you know, so I've got to make sure I, I have all this stuff ready. And boy, we make money our God, and it's a problem. By the way, in context, taking care of your own house is taking care of your aged parents and, and aunts and uncles. That's what it's talking about. And if you've got older family members in your, in, your, in your sphere of influence, if you have to stop the world 
and stop everything else and cut back on these things so you can take care of them. Do what you need to do to give them time and attention and requite your parents. That's the Bible term. Requite means to give back to them at the stage of life when they can't find their mouth because they helped you find your mouth when you couldn't find your mouth. When they couldn't take care of them, yourself, they took care of you. Excuse me, when you could take care of yourself, they took care of you. Now, when if they get to a place where they need your assistance, you take care of them. He said, that's just true piety at home. That's true holiness shown through behavior in that way. If you don't do that, you deny the faith. You say you're a Christian, say that you love the faith, but you're not giving the time and attention and love to your elderly family members. That can be a problem. But then he said, some having erred from the faith, have pierced himself through with many sorrows. But then he comes and he gives advice to Timothy. And I want you to take hold of this advice real quickly. We're looking at, at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 11. And then it says, But thou, O man of God. This is one of very few times in the New Testament where the man of God is mentioned. You'll find it in the Old Testament many times. It's interesting. It's an old servant of Christ calling a young servant Christ He said, but you, Timothy, you man of God. By the way, I thank God for young men of God. I thank God for men who, and I oftentimes, I have a man, have someone recently came to me and he said, what do you think about that? I said, you know, I think he is. And he wasn't very old. He was in his 20s. But I said, you know, I think that young man's a man of God. He's got God all over him. And Timothy must have had the same thing. But man, he said, he said, these guys are piercing themselves with many sorrows. They've erred from the faith. But he says, but thou, O Timothy, thou man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Verse 12, fight. How do you find if a man is a man of God? How do you find if a lady is a, is a, uh, is a real lady of God? It's, it's oftentimes determined by what they flee from. He said, look, thou man of God, flee from these things. What things? The love of money. Arguments. Doting questions. Arguing about stupid stuff. He said, you get away from that. Be content. And don't fall in love with the almighty dollar bill. You can't serve God and money. He said... You can find a man of God that can be determined heavily by what he flees from, what he gets away from. And it's stinking thinking. It's, it's thinking bad about stuff and not maybe thinking logical, maybe thinking logical, but not thinking biblical. He said, you'll find a man of God for what he flees from. And in context, he's talking about his mindset regarding finances and possessions and eternity. Number two, he says, you'll find him not only in what he flees from, But you can identify a true man of God or a true woman of God, but not only what she flees from, but what they follow after. He said, you stay away from this, but you follow after these. These are intangible things. Look, if you would, please, real quickly. What was the first one he said? You follow after what? This month, this is our theme. You can look on your bulletin. You'll see their theme of the month is uh, thy spirit is good to revive us to righteousness. One thing I really get excited about when I think about reading the Bible is how often God emphasizes righteousness. It means doing the right thing. When you get saved, you must believe unto righteousness. You have to believe the right thing, and that is that Jesus is the only way of salvation. You know why Jesus got baptized? He went down, he got in the line, and it was John the Baptist saw him, and 
He had already said, behold, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Then Jesus got in the baptismal line, and John said, whoa, I'm not going to baptize you. You can baptize me. I'm not worthy to untie your shoes, much less baptize you. You're the Savior. I'm a sinner. You're the Messiah. I'm just a minister of you. I'm not baptizing you. He, he balked. He forbade him. He argued with him. He said, I'm not going to baptize you. You know why he got baptized? You know why he did baptize him? You know why Jesus got baptized? The same reason I should get baptized after I got saved, the same reason you should. It was to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Romans, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. It's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. We need a revival of righteousness in my life and your life. We don't need to care what's convenient, what's comfortable, what's easy, what's popular, what is right. Every time you turn your television on, you ought to ask yourself, is this right? Every time you go and open your phone and try to find Facebook posts, you ought to ask, is this right? Am I doing the right thing? When you're faced with a situation, there's been an altercation or something that's not, you ought to ask yourself, well, you know, it's not fair what they did. Shut up. Don't say that. And I probably shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. <laughs> However, don't, don't say that. What you should say is, God, what do you want me to do here? What's the right thing for me to do? Not what's easy, not what I want to do, not what is my reaction. What is the right thing to do? He said, you, you can tell a man of God by what he flees from and what he follows. He follows after righteousness. What's the next thing he's, he says here? Righteousness and godliness. That means living out God-like attributes. Is God generous? Should we be generous? Is God forgiving? Should we be forgiving? Is God pure? Should we be pure? Is he holy? Yes, he's all that and a lot more. Is he loving? We should be loving. God exercises righteousness and judgment. He is, he is uh, merciful. He's, he's, he's easy and ready to pardon. Whatever God is like, that's how we should emulate him. He said, Follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness. What else did he say? Follow after faith. I think faith is just, it's trusting God enough to obey him. It's whatever he tells you to do, do it. I was thinking, there's a man in in New England who's writing a book on madness from the book of Deuteronomy. I haven't read it yet. It's not even out yet, but I just talked to a man about it. And his premise is, Madness, mental health. And this is, not, this is a blanket statement. It's not, it's not specific about any given thing. But his surmise and his thought was most people who, who struggle with mental health, oftentimes it goes back to a place that they will not obey God. To forgive someone that's hurt them. To do something. It's an act of disobedience. I talked to another man who did many, many hours, read 35,000 pages on health, and then looked to the Bible, at every verse he could find the Bible on health. And his, 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 his conclusion at all of his study was that oftentimes the health of an individual, once again, this is, this is general, that the health of an individual, biblically, is not so much how you eat, although we ought to eat healthy. Exercise, that's an important thing. But he said, you know, I found out that God speaks very heavily upon health being connected to two things, obeying God and handling your emotions. Handling your emotions. You're an angry person. You're probably going to look down the, 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 uh, the future and find some things that you don't, you don't have to suffer from. 
if you can handle your emotions. The Bible says that he that can handle his own spirit is better than the mighty. Learning to handle your spirit. I know it's kind of interesting. He said, look, a man of God is found by what he flees from, what he follows after. Righteousness, godliness, faith. What's another thing real quickly? Love, patience, meekness. Philip, as you get ready to be a pastor, these are things that you want to follow after. John Wilkerson, as you, as you continue to pastor this wonderful church family, you need, to, you need to flee from some things that are going to get you cattywampus. And you need to follow after things that are they're intangible, but they're biblical. Of righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness. Sometimes the farther you go in life, the more demanding you become. Rather than easy to work with people. The Bible speaks a lot about meekness. And meekness is not weakness. But many, many people have, have failed to actually, they, they, they go from, even in marriages, when you should be a meek husband or a meek wife, you go from I do to you better. You go from working with someone to trying to be the large and in charge and making all the decisions. And it's, it's, it's not a biblical leadership. Certainly, it's very beautiful for a lady, but it's also very attractive for a man to be meek. The meekest person in all the world was a man named Moses. And meekness is a biblical factor in leadership. And, and Paul is challenging Timothy, look, you want to be a man of God? Flee this lifestyle, especially love of money. Don't chase the dollar. Number two, follow after some other. And then number three, Fight. This is interesting, isn't it? Look, could you please look at it real quick? Number 12. Fight the good fight of what? Lay hold on. Boy, I don't know if you're in the habit of underlying things in your Bible, but I would circle faith or box it and, and uh, eternal life. He said, I want you to fight a good fight of faith. Whereunto thou art also called. It's what you're called to do. And I profess a good profession before many witnesses. You've got a testimony and you and I are to be evaluated based upon our faith in God and our eternal perspective. Because I want you to lay hold on eternal life. Because what do you think? When Timothy got this, was he already a Christian? Was he already saved? Did he already have eternal life? I think so. He said, I want you to live with an eternity in view, with an eternal perspective. And I want you to live a life that is faith. Fight the good fight of faith. A couple things I'll share with you, and I'll close tonight with this thought. But several things you need to know about faith. You, first of all, you need to be saved by faith. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, don't pass go, don't collect $200, get saved. Don't leave this room. Don't take your chances. You already heard Phil talk about, you know, I, uh, other people in my family remembered my salvation, but I didn't remember it. And I, I needed to get that settled. You need to get that settled. Because we're saved by faith. But number two, we need to study the faith. Some of folks here, you wouldn't be able to give me three verses on eternal security if your life depended upon it. You, you don't even know one. Some of you, if I ask you, okay, give me, give me two verses on the deity of Christ. How do we know that Jesus is God? You'd start stuttering. You'd like to be flipping through your Bible trying to find a verse. You're not a bad person. But you know why you don't know those things? Because you don't use those muscles. But if you don't study, you will be ashamed. 
Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, you not to be ashamed. I want to encourage you, not only be saved by faith, but study the faith. Study it and say, God, I want to, I want to learn that. It's another reason, and I, and I don't say it to be a, an advertisement, but the Bible Institute would be very good if you took a Bible doctrines class and learned what are the major doctrines. The inerrancy of scriptures. Why is the Bible important? And why is the Bible the word of God? And what does the Bible say about the Bible? Salvation by grace, through faith, nothing else. And the deity of Christ. Every cult denies all three of those. They deny the inerrancy of Scripture. They deny the deity of Christ. And they deny salvation is by grace. I might know that. You might know that. But I'll tell you something. We ought to know it enough to know to study the faith. You don't have to be a Bible scholar, but you ought to be able to look in your Bible and say, here are some verses I can go to on the deity of Christ. Here's some verses I can go to on salvation by grace without works. Here's some verses I go to that tell me that the word of God is uh, inerrant. It is, in, is inspired by God. I can trust it. There are other, other arguments you can take, but at least know the verses. Be saved by faith. Study by faith. And I encourage you to show the faith. Demonstrate faith. Faith is not lived out. He said, look, if you say you have faith, well, show me your faith by your, how you behave yourself. It's one thing when people, and one of the things I stood at a, at a doorstep of a man yesterday, and he just said, you know, Pastor, I'm just kind of disappointed because I know some of the people that go to church, and they're just, they're not genuine. And it just really disappointed me. I started going, but I, I and, and, I, and we, I, 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 uh, he's my friend, so I challenged him on it. I hate to hear that, don't you? Would to God that people not only believe the faith, study the faith, but they showed it out. They lived it out. Stand for the faith. Share the faith. Support the faith. That's why giving is important. That's why prayer is important. Whatever it is that the faith of the Lord, he said, look, you, you, you want to make sure you lay hold on, on eternal life. And that you would be a faith-filled Christian. This is good for Phil and, and Victoria Middleton. But this is good for John Linda Wilkerson. It's good for you. Once you decide, you know, with the Lord's help, I want, I want to know that I'm saved by faith. I want to study the faith. I want to show it out. I want to stand for it. I want to support it. I want to share it with a lost world. I think if we get the first part of them, we will start sharing it with the world. Let's pray together, can we?